Welcome to the Oil Can Podcast. We are Monday afternoon, just two-ish or so. Uh, lots to talk about today, including uh, the All-Star break being over and the oil is running for the playoffs. Uh, whatever it takes, the Connor McDavid show, uh, trade deadline, Benson recall, Matt Benning was just recalled. Uh, it's going to be a very, very interesting 30 minutes or so with our friend Jonathan Willis. John, how are you, sir? It's been a week, Al. It feels like forever since we've talked. Uh, I, you know, uh, my blood pressure is down, so I knew that I hadn't talked to you in a while. So <laughs> you're, you're resting well. Your ulcer's starting to ease up on you a little yeah, bit. Right. I, I was, I, you know, people were saying that I was, you know, returning to health, and now of course we're back. But you know, it's all good. Uh, well, that that so, could be me, or that could be the Oilers, because I, I, I don't remember what a hockey puck looks like. I, uh, it's, it's been oh. so long. I have to say that uh, when I was young, I loved the All-Star game. Now I just, I I get to, especially because this year, every second day, basically, the Oilers have been playing. And that's going to be the way it is for the next few weeks, too. And you sort of get used to the, you know, the the ebb and the flow of, of every two days there's a hockey game in front of you at 7 o'clock at night our time. So uh, you, you go away for four or five days and it's like, oh, my God, what's going on? That's exactly how it is. I, I sometimes, and of course, when it's every other day, you're like, "Oh boy, it sure would be nice to get a break." And then you have a, a one extra day in there, and it's it's two days between games, and you're going, "What am I going to do with myself? I have all this free time." I, I, I just, yeah, it, it's going to be fun to watch them. I can't wait. They don't. Ugh, I can't even talk. I can't believe they don't get back until Wednesday. It's, uh, I, but at least there's actual hockey tonight to watch. Oh, I'm I'm so looking forward to five o'clock. Uh, let's start with the latest of the news. Uh, Matt Benning recalled from Bakersfield. Uh, I want, I don't mean to put you on the spot. Yes, I do. Uh, There's a real (laughs) problem here and it's a math problem. Uh, they, they have seven guys. I think they would want to play every night and you can't, uh, you can't not play Caleb Jones because if you don't play him for 10 days, you might as well have sent him down. So where do you land on this, John? Yeah, well, th- first off, thanks for your honesty at the beginning. We we all know what you're trying to do here, but uh, <laughs> I I think you know it's it, it is difficult. I, it wouldn't surprise me if Caleb Jones is scratched off the bat, but it as you point out, you know, it's not a sustainable state of affairs. You can't have a, a 22, 20, is he 22 or 23, 20, 2015. So uh, anyway, you can't have a young defenseman like that sitting for for any any length of time, and the other likely scenario which would see you you know sort of rotate him and Matt Benning has issues because then you have a a lefty lefty pair which we we know Dave Tippett doesn't like and doesn't like for good reasons the thing I wonder about in the back of my mind is whether we might not see Russell and Jones rotate like that's a that's a big step down for Chris Russell but I I don't know what else you do if you you know unless like I say you want to go to a, a lefty lefty pairing half the time well, it to me the other side of that, and and I, I'm always the one to mention this and and uh, have a good reputation for it. But I do think it might set up something at the deadline. Uh, you, you've got a few weeks here to figure things out. Uh, the Oilers have two young players, and Caleb Jones and William Lagus, and they like a lot. I think they prefer Jones based on the contract and the fact that he's here. Uh, but maybe maybe it's Lagesson that they they want to trade and and. I don't think they'll trade a, a veteran like Russell, but there might be something there with Benning. I I I, I wonder if they're uh, looking to get him back healthy, and there's a trade there that would bring them in a forward. Uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's a legitimate way of looking at it. Um, well, because if you look at Benning, his um, 
I believe his qualifying offers $2 million. Don't quote me on that. It'll be in that range. I know his cap hit is lower, but I believe it was a backloaded deal. And if he's playing 14 minutes a night for you, do you qualify him at $2 million? I, I don't know that you do. So to me, of all the defensemen on the roster, he's the guy who going into the summer, you're kind of like, is is he is he gonna be is he gonna get another contract from the Oilers? You you know they're gonna qualify Nurse, but I, I don't think you know that about Benning, and I, I think you're right to to highlight him as a potential you know trade chip. You know, assuming nobody gets hurt or anything. The thing about Russell that I wonder, I I always go back to that 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 famous Dave Tippett quote. I know he mentioned it in his introductory press conference when he was hired, but it's it's uh, been a favorite of mine for years where he talks about the defensive defenseman who was the you know the the be all end all king of all defensive defensemen and this college guy who couldn't defend a lick, but the college guy moved the puck out of his zone and and only had to defend a fraction of the time. So we know and we, when you look at what Arizona had and what Dallas had, Tippett likes puck moving defensemen. When you look at this Oilers roster, to me, Caleb Jones is a, a puck-moving defenseman and one of the few towards the bottom end of the lineup. You've got Clefbaum up top. You've got Bear, obviously. You, you can argue Nurse because he rushes the puck and, you know, he's got some passing ability to his game and he does so many other things for you. But there's, there's a lot of guys who aren't high-end passers and it wouldn't surprise me if the defense had a very different look next year to this year. Is, 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 am I way off base or is that no, fair? Uh, the, the only thing, and I'm, I'm writing about this for tomorrow, uh, but I, I, the, the one thing I, I, in looking at what might be out there and available, uh, I, 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 and we've talked about this on this show before, Larson is more of a, I think of salary dump, Lar- or I'm sorry, Russell is more of a salary dump. I, I think, I think if the, if the price point, if the offer is strong enough, and I'll use Toronto here as an example with one of their young wingers, I don't know that the Oilers would or would not trade uh, Adam Larson in the summertime for one of those young wingers on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, the Leafs are looking around, and they may find a, somebody they like better than Adam Larson, but uh, that, to me, is a, the kind of trade that might make sense. And you might, if you're Ken Holland and Dave Tippett, trade the better defenseman because you're going to get a, a, a substantial piece that helps you in another area. Well, let me ask you this, though. If you're Toronto, like if I'm Toronto, here's how I see it. I don't want to trade a young winger for Larson if I'm getting less than two playoff runs out of him. I, like I'm not I'm not trading Kasperi Kapanen for a rental Larson. I, I don't even know that I trade him for Larson with a year and a half left, but I have to think about that one because Larson to me is a good fit for what Toronto needs. But to me, if it gets to the summer, there's no way I trade a, a player of Kasperi Kapanen's age for one year of Adam Larson. So maybe we've solved the problem. It's Larson for Kapanen at the deadline. But it's it's made sense for a year now, hasn't it? Well, but remember now, the 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 Leafs moved a coach out. They got a new coach yeah. in, new input, and and look, I've watched. The, I like the Leafs. I I. I now, don't tell anybody, but because Dubas <laughs> is a guy that I've sort of followed his career and I and I like the coach, I'm sort of cheering for them to do well. Do not tell what? anybody. What? Because because I, I do believe in analytics, and I think they a lot of what they do reflects that, although not perfectly. But if you're looking at that team, and look, I, I like Adam Larson. I like shutdown defensemen, so I know I have a, a bias in that area. Uh, but he's he's – He's a pretty good player for what they would need, and he can help them on the penalty kill. Uh, he could move up and down the lineup too. I don't know if they they would be willing to give up as much as I'm suggesting for him. That's the only thing. 
Well, it'd be a huge help in terms of handedness. And and the thing I come back to is I think you need one guy who can kind of slow the game down and uh, like li- literally slow the game down. You know, he's not doing much for you offensively, but he's also not allowing much defensively. That needs to be a tool in the in the coach's arsenal. And the the problem for the Oilers is they've got theoretically three of those guys like Nurse, Russell, and Larson are all of the sort of and you know Nurse is a tremendous athlete. I have great respect for 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 that element of his game but he's he's not you know your modern puck moving defenseman ideally he's the the better version of of adam and, and russell and i don't think you can have three of those guys on your blue line but i don't know that toronto has any at the moment and they need one yeah they they've got to do something here uh between now and the deadline um there, there's a few things i want to get to so let's let's talk a little bit about uh you, you wrote an article pertaining to the pwha uh, and the, the, the award winners, uh, for mid season and, and projecting them to the end of the year. And it looks like it may be a hardware haul for Mr. McDavid. Boy. Uh, yeah, it's, it's funny, you know, the Oilers are suddenly in playoff contention and, and Connor McDavid's a, a heart trophy candidate once again, weird how that works. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm not a, I'm, I don't, I'm just going to go off on my tangent here because this is what I do. But um, the Hart Trophy goes to the player most valuable to his team. Most valuable to his team is most valuable, period. If a player has a value of X to the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Anaheim Ducks or the Edmonton Oilers or the Detroit Red Wings, he has a value. He has that value. The value is X, and it doesn't matter where he's playing. That So that's that's the way I look at the award. But most people don't share that viewpoint, and the consensus has... has uh, Shifted dramatically this year from last year. McDavid um, took almost half of the first place votes. And uh, at this point, you know, assuming the Oilers don't fall way out of it, looks like he's going to be the heart winner. The thing he didn't get any votes for was the the comeback player of the year, which has a lot of overlap with the Masterton trophy. But that's because of the the way the voting was conducted. The, uh, right. the window where the votes were submitted came right before the news broke. And um, like I, I didn't have him on my ballot. And, and the reason was I, I was still laboring under the assumption that that knee injury was nowhere near as serious as it was, in fact. Did you, uh, I watched the, the, whatever it takes twice, the, the McDavid show that ran, uh, two times on Sportsnet this past weekend. And th- th- one of the things that was a fallout, number one, what a hockey player. Oh my God. And what a, well, you know, the, the amount of time that he spent, uh, rehabbing that thing, uh, is incredible. And, and there was a lot of risk too, because if it had gone haywire in August, they would have had to have a press conference and say, Hey, we didn't lie to you, but we didn't tell you. And here, you know, it didn't work. And now we're having surgery. See you in a year. That's a, that's a hell of a press conference. But what, what were your overall thoughts on, on that show and how it was presented? Well, there's a lot of different ways you can go with that question. I'm going to quote a line from the piece you wrote about it. Um, McDavid as an individual is no longer distant. And I thought that was, from, from my vantage point, that was maybe the most interesting thing because I'm not surprised at the amount of work. Like, look at how the man plays the game. Yes, I'm, I'm sure he won the genetic lottery, but you do not get to be as dominant as hockey without all of the things that were so painstakingly documented. And, you know, it's, it's, it's good that everybody got to see that because I think it, it, it changes the perception of what he's like in terms of, of pursuing his goals as, as an NHL player. But it like that, that's not a huge shock to me. What I did like was that you got to see a little bit more of him as a person, which is not something he lets you see very often. Like 
it he he's he's not he handles the all the attention he gets in a certain way and i like i don't blame him at all because i can imagine living under that spotlight but uh this was this was one of those rare moments where he opened the door a little bit and i thought that had a lot of value yeah i i've interviewed him once uh and, and he was very guarded uh and measured and and it was i mean he didn't treat me like i was a cobra or anything but he was you know i i'd ask a question and he would think for a second and then give me a a, a really good answer back and I, I what i felt and maybe it was the lighting or the way he was sitting or whatever but when he was talking to the camera about about his own emotions his own feelings his own you know um you know, future that was in doubt. I, I, for the first time, I just saw him as a, a like something less than a machine because his, he is a machine-like player, uh, and, and there's precision in his game. And and if things don't work out, it's almost like you're like, well, how come that didn't work? It always works. And I <laughs> and I I think they sort of pulled back the the curtain just a little bit to let people see that that and also his support group and i and i really enjoyed seeing mom and dad uh and and uh gary roberts uh and, and all of that group talk about him jeff jackson with so much um uh, care they clearly you know that they do but we got to see that a little bit yeah yeah and it's all it's all uh all part of that parcel i think i i think that's well put we uh we're all we're all gifted genetically just in different ways john <laughs> yeah, some, some of some of us, some of us less so than Connor McDavid. <laughs> well, I mean, we're just different ways. I don't think less sure. so is the right answer, John. I think we're sure. You know, I, like you know, I, I really have a genetic knack for coin collecting. I, it's, it's, you know, I'm, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> I, I'm good with dogs. See, we all have something, John. <laughs> don't don't oh, they call dear. dogs man's best friend? No, anyway. Yes, they, 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 they have. Okay. <laughs> Speaking that's, of, that's speaking my, of, that, <laughs> I don't think we've had an appearance from my dog before. I, uh, I feel singy, everybody. I feel yeah. incredibly validated here because it's always my cat, and I very carefully <laughs> locked her away before we did this. And uh, well, thank you, Al. Well, my dog was sleeping, and I didn't want to uh, because I'm a I, I'm good with dogs. I <laughs> wanted to leave her on her blanket, her little coyote blanket that used to be mine. Nobody cares, and. She would have slept right through, but somebody opened or closed the door upstairs, so we are here. Unbelievable. Uh, the effrontery. <laughs> that gives a ch chance to, to move smoothly uh, to the next uh, subject at hand, which is uh, I, I wrote an item on uh, the, the minor leagues and players at 20 uh, since the beginning of the century, basically a 20-year uh, look at the Edmonton Oilers system, and I... I had to change the title and I changed everything around it because when I got done, the two uh, top forward and the top defensemen were, were Tyler Benson and Evan Bouchard. As it turns out, uh, even though goal scoring uh, shares have increased and decreased over the 20 years, they end up being the, the top offensive players at their positions over over a 20-year period in the system. So whether that's Jay Woodcroft or they're drafting better, it, it was an interesting uh, look into the orders over 20 years. Well, I'm so just so everybody knows before we did this, before we started the show, I asked Al to bring up this article. So he's not uh, not self-promoting so much as touching on something I wanted to talk about. I was surprised by this. The The problem with the minor leagues is you uh, you get so many players of different age brackets thrown together and it can be hard to distinguish who's really doing an elite thing unless you look at the age. And there's a lot of different ways to do it the way you do it. 
um, you know, looking at, at past Oilers specifically is really good because everybody reading generally speaking, is going to have a lot of familiarity with the players. You know, like you say, well, he's this far ahead of Rob Shrimp. We know what that means. He's this far ahead of Magnus Bayarvi. We know what that means. Um, I'm not shocked. I Like, I wasn't su- that surprised by ben, um, Bouchard because Bouchard, I, like, I, I don't know that they've ever had, you know, go, it, in my lifetime, in my lifetime of watching the team, they've ever had a, an offensive defenseman with Evan Bouchard's ceiling. He's... Uh, you know, you look at the draft pedigree, you look at his numbers in junior, he's something else. I didn't realize how good Benson's year was relative to history. I Like, I knew it was good. Um, I, I knew in the grand scheme of things, these are the sort of numbers that a top six forward puts up. I didn't realize that Edmonton just hadn't had a guy do what he'd done before. And and I, it's kind of a relief to me to find out it was a surprise to you as well. Yeah, I, I honestly, when I when I began the process, uh, I because you go back and they, they've had, uh, you know, like I remember Timo Hardikainen, and he didn't end up being an NHL player, but in 2010-11, uh, the, in Oklahoma City, he actually had a, a really strong uh, AHL 20-year-old season. So you go back over the years, and they've had some good players, Jarrett Stoll, uh, Brodziak, Mark Pouliot, uh, who, you, you know, I, I'm, I've written about a time or two. They had some good players there. What makes Benson, uh, his situation interesting was he had a slower start. He came on at the end of the year. Uh, he was playing very, very well, and he's continued that. So my question for you, John, is Benning's up today. Do you think Benson gets called up here in the next week or so? Yeah, I do. I, I, I don't know. I'm, so I'm not basing this on anything. This is, this is me guessing. So take it for what it's worth, which is not very much. But I think he'll be up. They, uh, I believe the last bit of the American League All-Star festivities go today, at which point, you know, obviously he's a part of that, having replaced Kyler Yamamoto. The Oilers don't play until Wednesday. To me, it makes sense to bring him up right away. I, I guess we'll see what happens, but I think there's room for him. And, uh, you know, they, they have, um, oh, I think it was, it was either Stoffer, uh, Bob Stoffer or Jack Michaels who put out the, the lines, um, for the last practice, but it looked like Caro was drawing in on the Haas line. And, uh, I, I don't like, I, I could see how you might want that for Calgary. So maybe, maybe they do it for the Calgary game and then bring Benson up, but I, I think he'll be up soon. Where do you put him? We've talked about this before and there's a, a growing group of people who said, I'll oh, put him with McDavid. The reason I'm not a hundred percent behind that is you already have Yamamoto on the second line. That's a lot of youth. Uh, and James Neal has struggled. Uh, ideally I, maybe you put Benson with Nuge on a third line, although that's not the, the situation to be in right now. Where would you put him, John? I, I'd, I'd alternate him. You have him and Neal rotate with McDavid and rotate with Haas. I, I think that's, uh, you, you can give Benson a couple of shifts in specific situations that way and at the same time leave, you know, not not give Neil a big demotion, leave leave him in place and, and maybe, uh, I, I don't know if that lights a fire under him. I, I don't think that it's a motivation issue with him at even strength. I just think that he's, you know, lost half a step. But uh, play them both and see what happens. It's, uh, am, it's am I cheating the, the, the to great... answer that? Like, no, am that's I cheating the, to answer the, that way? Because I feel like I'm straddling no. the fence. <laughs> well, it's 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 the greatest answer ever or the best avoidance ever. Either way, it works. What I like about it is that you're not asking, um, you know, and and it may change home to road, right? But you're not yeah. asking him if 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 you're 
lined up against the the top pairing. Uh, like they're playing St. Louis out of the box and Calgary twice out of the box. So if you're Benson and you're up against the top pairings on those uh, teams and you're hard matched, well, that's going to be a little different no matter who you're playing with. W- what I like about Benson's uh, skill set is he can dig for the puck. He's an excellent passer uh, and he's not a wallflower. Like he can hit and he can take a take a hit. Uh, he's a, He can be, play a physical game, but I, I just think, you know, it was an eye-opener. Um, can I Keller Yamamoto twice to begin each season in 17 and 18 or 18 and 19. Uh, he, he just wasn't there. He, he didn't belong yet, but he belongs now. And when you see a player like that, who can think the game at that level and react at that level, and, and it's a high, high level of skill, it, it really is impressive. And I think Benson does think the game at a high level. I really want to see him with McDavid, but I want to see him in the right spot. And I like your idea of, of, you know, try him for a few shifts. If it's not working, then you definitely got a safety net on the fourth line and in James Neal. Yeah. Well, and they've, they've run the, they've run the first unit power play like that all year with, with James Neal and Alex Chase on. I, I don't think it's a huge stretch to, to rotate one set of wingers at even strength. The, the Archibald experience for two games, I, if I'm if I'm Cassie and I don't want to get suspended again because that guy looked pretty good. <laughs> Funny how, how wingers look good with Connor <laughs> McDavid, right? Seems like they can put anybody there, John. <laughs> Bizarre. Uh, yeah, it. Uh, well, and Archibald's speed, like, Archibald does a lot of the same things Cassian does, right? Like he doesn't have the same... Uh, the same uh, size by any stretch, but he's he's got high end speed. He's a very good defensive player. He he was a nice match there, and uh, you know if they if they could find one winger who really clicks like a, a talented you know not not Leon Drysaddle because I think you need McDavid Drysaddle as a one two punch, but if you could bring in a guy who's a a strong you know a, a Chris Kunitz for McDavid's Crosby, yes. and then you can stick whoever you want in the third slot. I think. Yeah, that's a great point. By the way, uh, this is the Oil Can Podcast. want to let you know that uh, No Dunks is a daily NBA podcast hosted by Skeets, Taz, Trey, Lee, and JD. The original basketball podcasters join them as they break down the league's biggest games and headlines, answer listeners' questions, interviews, guests, and more. Uh, obviously on a day in which we're about 24 hours after the uh, tragic death of, of Kobe Bryant, uh, his daughter, and several other uh athletes and, and kids uh, on, a, on a helicopter in Los Angeles, a tragic story. Uh, they'll be covering that, obviously. Uh, and, and that is a, I mean, that is a, a big, big story and a tragic one in Los Angeles. So check out No Dunks uh, podcast and they'll have uh, information for you on that. That was, uh, I, I tried to think back, John, for me, uh, just to an event in my life that, that you, you know, Involving an athlete or somebody well known that was just that impactful, like uh, Lady Di. Uh, you know, when I was young, Roberto Clemente died uh, in uh, on his way to uh, Nicaragua uh, to help with earthquake relief. But it it doesn't happen often. For all that we're traveling all over the place and and doing these things, it doesn't happen that often. But it was a it was a massive story, obviously, and people are still coming to grips with it here twenty four hours later. Well, I, I think you can see the. Um, outsized impact of it by people like you and me talking about it. Then this is a hockey podcast. I, I mentioned it to my wife. I mean, no, no, who is that? And she watches even less basketball than I do, and I don't watch very much of it. But uh, yeah, I think everybody, 
um, had some appreciation for the the immense physical gifts and and maybe the element that um, underscores it the most for people is that it was I, I believe three three girls on the same basketball team like I, anybody who's a parent any I, you don't even have to be a parent I mean you you everybody appreciates the tragedy of that and uh, you know there aren't there aren't really any words any words for it no and it's it's um and and you get to be my age and you you, you there is loss in your life of, of people that you love and and you know i i years and years ago people would say it takes time and i and there are some things like this event i don't think you get over uh i i just don't i think you learn to live with it i think that's uh that's what happens is you you still have the same overwhelming feeling it's a shocking feeling uh and, and you know it lady die being an example i know exactly where i was it had a major impact uh it, we just stopped what we were doing which was drinking in the backyard if you want to know and we came inside <laughs> and we watched cnn and that's, that's i think i think part of it is talking about it and just you know seeing it unfold allows you to make it reality because it's a it's a it's an enormous story and he was i mean i I think he might have been one of the most famous people in the world. I, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if there's a list, but he certainly would have been. Oh, for sure, for sure. It, yeah. There's, there's just not, not many people who uh, have that outsized impact on. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. It's it. There, there isn't really much in the way of comparisons for it. Uh, you, it's uh, it's a, it's a it's a tough situation for a lot of people, and and I think what makes it particularly difficult is obviously like a, a lot of public figures there's um it's a nuanced story but in the immediate aftermath everybody's just sort of processing emotion and it, it's difficult to have you know because because everybody wants to, there's there's always somebody who wants to bring out some aspect of a story but it's it's difficult when people are there there's a i think it's a maya angelou quote the uh, people don't remember what you did but they remember how you make them feel and and people are processing emotions and and if there's one positive to it i think it's that there are a lot of people who display empathy for 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 people who are just you know trying to figure out what this means to them and uh yep. and, and maybe are surprised by how strongly it's made them feel yeah and that's a that's a really good way of putting it it's um it's definitely going to be on the front you know front pages or the front uh um of websites for the next next little while um we're we're running out of time as we always do john but i wanted to backtrack and just pick up on a couple of uh things from all-star weekend um james myrtle didn't like the shooting from high above uh, he was, he was being, he said, it looks terrible. I liked it for two reasons. Number one, I thought that visually it looked like it was a lot of fun to shoot from up there. Uh, and I also liked that, and this is just me because I like chaos. I liked that the biggest, that I think it was 20 points or whatever, the biggest bin was the one you got the most points for because <laughs> that's the kind of game I can win. You know, I'm not trying for the threes and fours. I want that big honking 20. And and I, I thought whoever made up the game uh, clearly didn't understand how rules should work and is my kind of person. Well, that's these are the kind of games that you play when you're, you know, good at things other than sports. <laughs> <laughs> gifted. Gifted genetically. Gifted with genetically gifted with dogs, yes. <laughs> 
Anyway, yeah, I, I'm I, sure I, that uh, that that is part of the All Star Weekend that will continue to <laughs> continue to grow and grow. And uh, James will grow to love it as time goes on. Uh, go ahead. Uh, it's it's funny. I you know I, my my timeline is filled with people who share my basic opinion of All Star Weekend, which is I don't care, or that that's what it seems like it's filled with, and and yet. Uh, over All-Star Weekend, my, my timeline was freaking out about, you know, all the different All-Star competitions. I, I the, the thing that penetrated to my uh, my fantasy hockey chat was Al McInnes uh, with the, oh, the, yes. the wooden stick. My goodness. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, there's an old thing in radio where, where um, popular morning shows often have uh, people who are very supportive and detractors. And so they will call into the radio station or text into the radio station and they'll say, I hate that show. Get that guy off the air. I never listen. You know what he said this morning? And <laughs> that's sort of the all-star game is that it's, it's a, it's, it, you know, it's going to be a train wreck. You absolutely know that I, I thought Bettman was looked very nervous in his interview, although he seemed casual. Uh, but I like to watch that too, because I think Rob McLean enjoys those interviews in a way that, that may not be healthy. But those are fun too. <laughs> that's the uh, that, that's usually the highlight of All Star Weekend. I think. I think if you're, you know, this this year it was probably the McDavid story. But I, I think most years that's the the thing most people have circled. Well, it's funny you mentioned the radio dynamic though, because isn't isn't that how the Oilers have functioned for most of the time? <laughs> you and I have been writing about them. <laughs> I hate these people. I'm not going to watch them. Did you see what Leonard Petrell did on the penalty kill? <laughs> I remember true story driving down in I don't remember what year, 2011. Don't don't recall exactly. Um, and they were they got beat like five one or something. But Alish Hemsky made a play probably two and a half minutes before the end of the game, and I'm like. This is awful. But did you see Hemsky? <laughs> and there was a lot of that in those years. There was Dougie Wade or Hemsky or whatever where you were you were doomed to failure because there was no cap, especially in the Wade era. But they would do something that made you go, okay, there's there's something happening here. And, well, you know. The, those Doug Wade teams, those are, those are the teams I grew up with. And uh, I, I love those teams. I, didn't, I mean, I... I uh, Never enjoyed the annual getting wiped out by Dallas in the first round part of it, but uh, the 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 third, the fourth lines, the you know your Todd Marchants, your Mike Mike Greer, my goodness, I loved Mike Greer, uh, Dean McAmmond, Yanni Nienema, like there were just so many great role players on those teams, and and that um, when it was competitive, I, I think there were always guys, and you know even even during this uh, post Pronger collapse, I think there were. There were depth guys you could point to and go, you know what? A lot of this is ugly, but boy, that that Jeff Petrie that play right there, I, I really enjoyed that. You, you know, Alish Hamsky. There, there was always somebody. Um, most games who you could single out and go, oh, it's too bad he's stuck playing with these guys. There, there's one day when I'm I'm uh, rich, wealthy, and have nothing else to do. I'm going to write a book on on maybe the ten most. Uh, outrageous goals the Oilers have ever scored in their history and one of them is going to be that Nail Yakupov goal uh, oh, where he uh, <laughs> said, I'll talk to him it, you, you know people forget that the Oilers had been actually robbed by the referee in that game and yes. the goal by Yakupov like it was it was surreal I thought the roof was going to go off of that building that night it was crazy yeah, 
Well, and, and you know, when it gets highlighted now, it the slide, if you're, if you're not in the, the emotion of the game, the slide kind of seems like an overreaction and, uh, you know, maybe emblematic a little bit of, of some of why Neil Yakupov never, never became what people expected him to become. But in the moment, was it, was it the end of the third, like the last minute of the third that, yeah. And, and they, they ruled it no goal and in the overtime and because you've seen this before and because it's LA and it's Jonathan quick and it's all these, you, you kind of feel like, okay, well that's, that's the game. Here comes the game winner for LA. And then you could understand why Yakupov reacted with the emotion he did because it was, you know, he was caught up in the game. It was it was one of those situations where everything was so tight, and it was uh, that that's the funnest hockey to watch. I don't I don't care if you're a fan of the teams or not. You always want to watch games like that. Yeah, and the the young referee got intimidated by, you know, what are we going to tell Anze moment, and they ended up, you know, <laughs> I tell you, uh, it's going to be a hell of a book. There'll be a lot of profanity in that book that I write about the. Uh, 10 most outrageous goals. Uh, don't forget to uh, please rate and subscribe the oil can on Apple. If you click on the show URL, theathletic.com uh, slash the oil can, you get 40% off your subscription to the athletic. You get to hear a bonus subscriber only edition to the oil can with Daniel, Jonathan, and myself each week, too. And we have one this week, right? We're getting together on uh, on Thursday. I believe that's correct. I think Daniel's probably still watching Yermir Yager in Prague, so it'll just be you and I again. But uh, Okay. Well, I saw him t- tweet out a photograph with a beer in it, and I think there was a hockey game. Uh, so I think he's having a lot of fun over there. Well, it's Prague, I mean. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, who, who wouldn't? But uh, you and I, you know, here in North America, we get to uh, get together, and I get to systematically undermine your health for uh, a second appointment this week. It's it's so good. It, 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 I feel like the the uh, the, the uh, sergeant or uh, uh, lieutenant in, in uh, the Clouseau movies. I'm starting to develop an eye twitch, and it's going well. I'll be fine. Oh, man, Don't worry. That's a fun callback. I, I I watched the Peter Sellers versions when I was a kid, and oh, just, oh man. and I half of my it dad, went over my head, and I still loved it, mostly because of Kata. My dad would tell the, uh, does your dog bite? No. And then the dog bites him. And he said, I thought you said your dog didn't bite. It's not my dog. My dad would tell that to people who hadn't seen the scene. And he'd start laughing right at the beginning. And by the end, nobody could understand what he was saying. But he was laughing so hard, you had to laugh along with him. Great, great show. Man, I love that show. John, we'll talk to you Thursday. Uh, Enjoy the return of the NHL, sir. You as well. I is there is there anything happening before Thursday? Is there like a, a there's an Oilers game against somebody? Um, yeah. The team slips my mind, but maybe maybe there'll be some news to talk about Thursday morning. Who's Buddy Robinson? <laughs> he is the devil out. No, I, you know it's funny because he's he's got uh, I. I you know, his penalty minute totals aren't crazy for a six foot six guy, but you, anytime somebody calls up a six foot six American leaguer right before the Battle of Alberta, you're like, uh, hey, hang on, what are you doing? And his name is Buddy. <laughs> well, maybe maybe they can put him on a line with Lucic and Zach Ronaldo. I don't know if he's a center, but if they, if they want to run that line against the Nick David line, I think Tippett would probably be okay with that. Call it the Corsi line. It should be good. <laughs> John, have a good week. You too, Al.